Hey everyone, you want to see the Bold Father in action? Well, now you can. Here's some upcoming dates. On Saturday, the 27th of October, I'll be at the Gorgon Craig Theatre Stevenage for Southside Wrestling. Tickets available at southsidewrestling.co.uk. On Sunday, the 28th of October, I'll be at the Electric Ballroom London for Progress Wrestling. Tickets and information available at progresswrestling.com. Friday the 2nd of November, I'll be at the Bright Helm Centre, Brighton, for Riptide Wrestling. Tickets available at buytickets.at forward slash Riptide Wrestling. Saturday the 3rd of November, I'll be at the West End Club, Leicester, for Hope Wrestling. Tickets and information available at hopewrestling.co.uk. So please be sure to come out and support all the boys and girls involved in British wrestling, as each week they tear it Apart. Hey everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Morgan Webster's wrestling friends i think this might be 88 89 we're close in the 100 slowly but surely i will hit that 100 episode but yeah welcome to yet another episode of morgan webster's wrestling friends of course this voice that you hear is the undisputed king of the mods the mod father himself the pod father of professional wrestling flash morgan webster or more important than that for the next five minutes to the hour to the hour and a half however long this conversation with james Mason goes this week. Oh, I'm very excited about this one. James Mason goes this week. I will be your host. Or as I like to see it, facilitator for all these chats, discussions, gatherings. You know me. I absolutely love that word, gatherings. With your wrestling favourites. Or as I like to call them, my buddies, my pals. Absolute legends of the British scene, in this case, this week. Or as just the podcast does suggest, my wrestling friends. This podcast does come to you free of charge most weeks. I'm on a roll. I know I had one or two weeks where there was none at all, but this is two weeks on trot. I'm on a roll. I've got one ready for next week too. Might even have another one recorded in the process. But um, yeah, it comes to you most weeks and it comes to you free of charge. And we're able to do that in part thanks to our sponsors, pinsandknucklesmerch.com. I was speaking to him this week. Uh, got a great deal for you as well. Uh, if you're... Head going to head down that way, Pins and Knuckles merch, and you're going to get t-shirts. They now offer pin badges. They now offer patches. They're uh, new as well, so I know a lot of people at the moment are loving pin badges, you wrestlers out there. So Pins and Knuckles merch now do that. I found it very difficult to find pin badges. Had to uh, import mine from the States. So now I found somebody in the UK that does them. So go, definitely go check out pinsandknucklesmerch.com. And if, you, uh, if you're looking for a big order and you, you know, mention me, maybe you're... Maybe you're going to get a big order in for your shop or maybe, you're, I don't know, you create or anything like that you do. And if you order 100 t-shirts and you mention me, so use a promo code FLASH, you'll get five free flags. So maybe that's five flags you can either sell on or maybe you want to give them out free of charge then to your lucky customers. Do a competition. Yeah, I love a competition. But yeah, if you've seen the one and eight flags, they're now giving away five of those free for every 100 t-shirts that you order. And that's just by saying promo code FLASH. Uh, but yeah, big thanks to Pins and Knuckles Merch. They're able to keep us on the air every week. And 
you guys seem to be loving it too because they just tell me you're going down there and you're supporting them and if you're supporting them you're supporting me so very much thank you to the both of you for doing that of course i do understand that uh merchandise is a thing that maybe bands and wrestlers need but not everyone not everyone needs it the fan the the usual fan the generic fan doesn't need to go out and buy lots of merchandise but if you do want to buy maybe one or two bits of merchandise then maybe you can head over to morgowebster.pickartel.com and pick up a t-shirt, pick up a print, pick up a flag. Got the 198 t-shirts, prints and flags over there. Now I do have very low stock on all those items. I think I'm sold out of the large t-shirts and the XL t-shirts. So all I have left is the two XLs, a few smalls and two mediums. So definitely go check that out if you're after that. I will be restocking those soon. But the flags are down to single figures. So if you're looking for support me some way, then definitely go check out morganwebster.bigartel.com. Um, of course, I do understand that not everybody can afford to do that. It's not everyone can afford to uh, be splashing the cash. And this podcast comes to you as a lovely free treat every week. And if you can't afford it, don't go breaking the bank. If you can afford it, it's very much appreciated. But if you can't, then don't worry about it. Maybe just give me a cheeky shout out on social media. Let me know how much you enjoyed this week's episode with James Mason. I'm at Flash underscore Morgan on the Twitter. I'm Facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster on the Facebook. I'm at Flash Morgan Webster on the Instagram. And if you do want to book me for any upcoming seminars, gigs, events, or you want to just send me a little bit of tech information, or uh, I don't know, maybe maybe you want to sponsor the Wrestling Friends podcast like pinsandknucklesmerch.com, then uh, all that can be done at the email, which is Flash Morgan at live. .co.uk but yeah I love getting all those uh, so please keep them coming as I said this week's guest is James Mason this is one I've been wanting to do for absolute ages I think he might have been in my first 10 people that I approached and I uh, I reached out to and then uh, blooming Colt Cabana when I got him before me didn't he and uh, I was like well I'll give it I'll give it a bit of time I'll give it a bit of time but uh, yeah James is an absolute legend of the British scene he has a career that spans nearly 30 years and he's done nearly everything you can do in wrestling uh, he's been in Japan he's he's worked for a televised American company in TNA and he's kept he kept the British wrestling scene afloat with a few others, of course, but he kept it afloat when uh, it was in his dark days and houses were down and people were saying that uh, wrestling was, was kind of dying in this country and it was people like him that uh, kept it alive. And James is an absolute treat to watch. I've learned so much from James. He can do nearly any style, but he is a true, true legend of that unique British style a lot of people have said that he's the uh, he's the last of the gatekeepers when it comes to that uh, that British style but uh, yeah sit down with James got to sit down in, with him two weeks ago uh, We it is a full retrospect of his career we talk about TNA as I said we talk about Japan we talk about his start which is absolutely incredible uh, and we talk about the King of Trios which he had a uh, a lovely time and he was very honoured to be on King of Trios against uh, two people that helped him break him into the business. And then, of course, then I do talk to him about what is next. And he is somebody as well who's uh, who's still looking to branch out. He's still looking to say, hey, look, um, I can do whatever you need me to do. And I'm willing to go on every show. And I just want to kind of, I really want to kind of well round off this career, which is in no way, shape or form on its way near the end. He's I saw him recently. He looks in the best shape he's ever been. 
and I think he's uh, he's somebody who would be wonderful in any show. But yeah, this podcast is absolutely great. It's uh, it's over an hour long, and it's a full retrospect of his career. But so yeah, I guess all's left to say is sit back, relax, and enjoy what is a wonderful episode with James Mason. Enjoy everyone. Uh, cabanas, didn't it? Yes. Um, was his setup anything like that, or was it far more? This was. I did it the other week, and he just had his phone with a little thing plugged in. Really? But then, but that was only like a five-minute one. But then the, the main one, uh, he didn't have the tripod. I know that, but it, I, can't, I can't remember. That was that was a few years ago now. Because I listened, as I said, you listen to Scroobius Pitts podcast, and uh, speaking to Eddie because Eddie did it recently, and Eddie said he shows up and he's got like. The mic booms, oh. and so he literally oh, comes. Oh, and no, no, it was he, it was as big as this, and he sets. And he's, I couldn't, I couldn't be carrying it. Now. But I think, I think Scrooby's Pip's job pretty much has become now that podcast right. because he gets so many. Yeah, I don't, don't know what some of the others have, but no, it was it was something similar to that. It didn't look like that, but it would just a little like a dictaphone. That's what it looked like to me. He's changes now, though, isn't he? It's not a, uh, it's not a conversation. Yeah, he just does five minutes, but yeah, he's just got a little thing that plugs in the bottom of his phone and. Uh, well, maybe I need, maybe I need to get. But I had one, and then I changed it because I, I I had one given to me by a friend, and then uh, you yourself said to me like they've been quiet recently. I was like maybe it's on its way out, so yeah, I yeah. invested in that one. So it's a little bit more expensive, but I've listened to the one I did with John Devlin back from the other day, and it, even the quality so much better. So yeah, yeah. worth every penny. But now we have now we have officially started. So oh, so that was it. All I was in. Ah, but <laughs> but uh, I'll introduce. I'm, I'm joined today by uh, James Mason. Um, this has been this has been one that again. I think I say this to everybody, but this has been one that we've been we've been looking to do for a while, and it just hasn't happened. But no, it's not happened. I've always wanted to do it. I've always made it quite clear that I've wanted to do it. They reach out me, and, and I do embrace things like this because this is a part of my life now. Like podcast, I didn't know what a podcast was a few years ago, and now like when I travel with. A major part of me, me traveling, and as you know, we travel a lot, so it's it's a yeah, big yeah. I heard you were you were a big podcast addict. Only down to to Dean Ormark, I must say. He, yeah. uh, he got me into him, gives me first couple of downloads, and uh, and yeah, and for the for the summers when you're doing a real heavy schedule, I'd have been great. And uh, there's only so much Radio Two I can listen to. Oh mate, I ain't gonna lie, I'm a big I'm a big Radio Two I'm a big Radio Two fan. Yeah. I used to I used to just listen to Radio One all the time, and then started listening to Radio Two when I used to do the when I was teaching. I used to commute to to work, and I started listening to Radio Two, but when you're younger you're like oh play music play music conversation is so much better than well it just passes the time it does so much so much better most songs you've heard I I listen to the same pattern all the time so I've heard these songs many times and they are good sometimes you want to have a bit of sing to yourself and sometimes a yeah a bit of conversation you hear is quite good especially yeah most people use them for uh, if they're on the treadmill and stuff like that as well now they say like you know 30 minute conversation can just fly by but I tell you what I started doing in the car sometimes I'll put on I put on episodes of like Big Bang Theory, for example, or Friends or something. Something that I, I've seen all of them. But I'll put them on, and then I'll put the sat nav back on. So the episode's playing in the background, but it's not on the screen, so it doesn't distract me. So, but I know that if I if I load up four episodes, yeah, yeah, I they're, 30, they're thirty minutes each, and, I, and as they go along. But you do you have things that pass time, so you know when this is over, you're that bit closer, and then the next one, then you're that bit closer yeah. again. So yeah, I can put a podcast on which I know is an hour and ten minutes, and that's. It's a big chunk of the journey. Yeah, so. sure. yeah. Anyway, this ain't we're not here. To we're not here to <laughs> that's very true. That's very true. How uh, I usually start these, and you would know because you, you do this yeah. in the podcast. But it's, um, what's your earliest memory of wrestling? When can you remember falling in love with wrestling? Uh, yeah, I don't know the exact age. I guess around about four years old. I remember. Obviously, my dad used to introduce me to it and watch it on telly. But I just remember watching matches on telly and not really getting the gist of it. But something would happen in round two, and then something might happen in round four, and then. 
then it'd be over. I didn't quite get it, but I knew I enjoyed it. And then obviously Big Daddy come on, and oh my God, did I fall in love. Big Daddy was just, you know, uh, wrestlers now say, oh, he was this, he was that. But to watch as a kid, he was just fantastic. So from the age of four or five, it was all Big Daddy. Six, seven, Big Daddy. As I got a little bit older, you start appreciating other stuff. Uh, but then I, I just remember it so clearly, like my early memories, and then obviously getting into to actually going to live shows. I think I was seven when I saw my first live show. And I still remember the bill vividly. I still remember every match that was on. I just remember the lot. And it's just such a... Was Big Daddy on the show? Big Daddy was on, yeah. The main oh. event was uh, Big Daddy and Greg Valentine against uh, a match called Ivan the Red and Drew McDonald. Uh, but the very first match I ever saw live was Mal Sanders against Alan Kilby. I mean, and it, it was a great match. It was a real good introduction to live wrestling. And then it, the second half of the show was a knockout tournament. Uh, Steve Gray, Sid Cooper, Danny Collins and Richie Brooks. And in my opinion, like four of the greatest four... So to see all those people on the first of a show, I mean, no wonder I'm, I'm still hooked today. It's a real, real big bill. Well, people as well, which we'll get into, but people that have come on to be uh, people you shared the ring with as well. So right, and friends as well. I just said Malsana. Malsana and Steve Grant, two of my best friends in the job. There, they was at my wedding and uh, speak to them constantly. I mean, Rob, uh, Rob Brooks. I spoke to uh, to Mal the other night when he just called me out of the blue, and it's just it's so lovely that these these people are just my friends and. Uh, and that, you know, I owe everything now, what I'm doing today, what I did last week, everything in wrestling is down to the Mouse, Steve Gray, to Danny Collins, because they was the ones who took me aside when I started. They were like parents to me. They looked after me and they just taught me everything. Not so much out of wrestling. They taught me out of wrestling, obviously, but they just taught me how to be a man, how to be the person I am. And they just give me so many life skills that I just can't thank them enough for. And uh, they're great people. But then, like, how did you get, because, like, you would have been seven, so you were just hooked from, you just hooked after yeah, that, you were just 100% hooked. But it was so, it's so, made, it's so different when I sit down with, like, people my age or younger than me, and I'll be like, oh, how did you, how did you get into, how did you get into wrestling? A lot of them say the American stuff they saw. And then you say, oh, well, how did you then translate, and how did you, did you start to wrestle? And most people are like, well, I found a school, but it w- it, w- it was, they wouldn't have been around then, surely. No, there wasn't, and I do believe I was very lucky. There was a couple of other lads that started around my time, maybe a few months after, but there was a Hamlock school around, which uh, I think that was just after I started, so I didn't quite get the opportunity, and I think if I would have started a year later, maybe that would have had to be my way in the Hamlock way, but uh, I, I turned up with a friend of mine, uh, a friend that I was doing amateur wrestling with, and we went to a show, it was Kings Lynn, and we are looking through the window, seeing like the gentleman put the ring up, so we banged on the, on the window, and he come out all moody, or what would you lads want? He said, oh, do you want to have the ring? Oh, and he was so desperate for help, he dragged this in, he says, yes, please. And he just basically said, get on with it, we didn't know what we were doing, we set the ring up, we ended up missing the train home that night, so we were sleeping out of the station. What a great introduction to wrestling. Yeah, we'd take the ring down, we just didn't care, we just thought, oh my God, we got a little way in. And he let us actually get in the wrestling ring that day, and we were, we didn't know to hit the ropes, but we just got in the ring, and we thought, oh my God, and we did a bit of amateur, and the lads come out to start to watch us, because they saw there was two lads sort of pulling around in the, in the ring. Not that we was amazing at it, they just weren't expecting two young lads to put a ring up and then get in and start getting on their hands and knees and trying to turn each other over. So you got a tiny bit of like recognition there. We did a good job and it was Dave Marshall, who was a horrible man, so I don't want to pick up on him at all. But uh, he said, look, if you're available, you can come away on Monday, stay right through till Friday, I've got five shows, I need help with a ring. You'll have to sleep in the van, there's no money, but poof, I'm there. They never say. Tell me mum I'm having a week off school. She said, no, you're not. I said, well, I'm doing it no matter what. <laughs> How was, old are you being this point? Thirteen. Well, so my mum should head strong, thirteen-year-old. And my, my dad did that. I remember him arguing a little bit because my dad said, "Look, you got to let him do it. This is a big chance." And I don't think you could do it now because a thirteen-year-old kid couldn't go away with <coughs> a forty-year-old man. It would just was a. Uh, well, that'd, that'd be front headline news, though, would you? Yeah. yeah, it would be. Yeah, uh, but back then it, it was different. It was it was a different time. That was that's sort of twenty over twenty-five years ago. So it was different. And yeah, so uh, we put the ring up every day that week. Slept in a van. 
each day we was getting the ring trying little bits and uh, and yeah the lads just took us aside like Danny Collins just took us aside on that week and said uh, have you ever done this I said no he said and he just showed me something I thought well you've got no reason to do that but he did and then we went on and I started doing that for about two three months so I think that was about March time I did that carried on doing it and then it was a uh, July, I always remember July the 27th, uh, Brian said, uh, do you think you're ready to wrestle? I said, oh, I don't know. I said, I want to, but he said, well, you got a job in two days. Uh, Worthing, you want me down with Walsh and uh, just do what you can. And so uh, I had my amateur gear on, I had a, an old amateur leotard, his amateur boot. Oh, God, I looked terrible. But And apparently I did a good job and uh, for some reason I, I got a full-time job ever since. Just could have been in. I was just in the right place at the right time. That's what it was. But you were doing the amateur stuff before that. Did you just so when you you saw a wrestling it captured you and you thought right I'm going to be. Do you say oh, I'm going to be a wrestler? Was that literally just? Well, no, in my head I never thought it was an option to ever be a wrestler because there wasn't schools. There wasn't. I just thought, but I, I might be a second. I might because they used to have seconds that come yeah, to the wrestlers. Or I could be a timekeeper or something. I never actually thought actually I'm going to be a wrestler. But I knew I wanted to do something involved in wrestling. I thought I'd have a job, but then I might on the side just be a second or be a. But yeah, so a timekeeper, and but then that come about. And I did amateur just because I knew I wanted to be involved in wrestling. Some I say that I've done something wrestling related, and I was doing amateur. So then I went into school on a Monday. I said, "Oh yeah, I was I was wrestling at the weekend. I was but I was doing amateur. So there wasn't impressed or anything. It was just my way of still having some involvement in wrestling, knowing in my head I'm never going to be a professional wrestler. I just it was just unheard of. But then, so when Danny took it one side and said, "Have you tried this? You tried this?" When you got in that ring, did you? know that it was a show or were you uh, see in my head this, this is the weird I, I, Big Daddy was, was always a show but it was such a good show I didn't care if it was real fat I didn't care even John Astax to an extent I thought uh, he's 40 odd stone he could kill people so you, you hid your head you thought it was a bit of a show but it was so entertaining you just didn't care but, uh, uh, but, but no but I thought title matches were real if there was a title match on Danny Collins or Brooks or a title match that's real I believe that was real. There was there was a way wrestling was put over that certain matches were a bit entertaining, a bit this, a bit that. But when it comes to a title match, they were serious. If two goodies were on with each other, that was real because they'd get a hold on and they'd hold it. Casual Martin and Ray Still, that was the first ever like good guy, good guy wrestling match I saw. And I remember just sitting there with Dad saying, they, they must be hurting each other. They've, they've got because they get a headlock and they'll hold it. And that was it just looked like they were, they were trying to break the neck. They'd set off to a tackle. And those tackles were so real. And then as I got in the job later on, I found out that like, Ray Still... When he did stuff well, you, you knew you was in with someone, you know. These yeah. were big, solid people that could... could really Men's do. men. Yeah, they were, and they yeah. looked just tough old men. They didn't... They weren't uh, tan, they didn't have a habit, but they just looked tough. Somebody down the pub, or you, yeah, you wouldn't... Yeah, you, you, you just wouldn't. wouldn't mess with tall blokes, but yeah, and Ray Steele was so smooth with it, and this... Yeah, so Casual Mike was so smooth, but Ray Steele had this grittiness about him, and... Uh, so, yeah, and I just think, well, that's real, but the next match, Big Daddy, that won't be real, but... It didn't matter, you know. I was just, I really enjoyed that for what it was. And then when those competitive matches on, I thought, oh, this is good, you know. Saw something in it. Yeah. So, you were, how long were you setting up the rings and doing little bits of pieces uh, before that, Brian about, said? About three, four months. But I mean, the funny thing with Brian is I'd known Brian for, not known him, but he, my, my dad was travelling around to shows, like three, four shows a week. We'd be in so he was a big, he was a, he was a big, big fan. Oh, I was a massive fan, yeah. My dad was a fan until he got to about 10 years old and then he just grew out of it. And I was a massive fan, so we went to we go to, to Hanley, Stoke on Trent on a Saturday. Then we go to Owlsbury on a Monday, and we go to Hastings on a Wednesday. Just traveling over. My, my, my dad used to work for London Transport, so he used to get a bit of diesel on the on the cheap and that. So we could go all these places. And uh, I think my dad just liked being away, and we had a real special bond me and my dad because mm, of the rest. And he really encouraged it. It's only my mum, but my dad really encouraged it. So he took me all over the place. And after a couple of years, then, Brian just recognised us, and it all. Oh, 
they were again those those two London people who were again and he just got to know us not as friends but just so we'd always say hello and that was it and other people in the job would just sort of say oh well, they were again like that as as you would see when you have got people who go yeah, to shows over and over again and so when I see people like that I really respect I'm really sort of I make a real fuss with them because I just relate that back to when I started and there was people that used to travel all over to watch the show it didn't matter if it was the same show Tuesday Wednesday Thursday you just went because you you just appreciate it. So I really take a lot of time out when I see people who travel around and like genuine fans. I was never a fan that went yeah and shouted and cheered. I was a fan who just sat there like on the edge of my seat like oh wow well, I sat and then my dad would get embarrassed. So I'm rabbiting on here, but my, my dad no, would no, get, of course keep going. I love it. Get embarrassed because you'd be at Aylesbury. Aylesbury Civic Hall was one of my favourite venues. It's gone now, and uh, so you'd be watching it, and then they'd come out with a poster before the last match. All right, who's coming next month? The next match we've got this match on. Boom, boom, boom. This, and I've been nudging my dad. Dad, look, that Nagasaki's on with Steve Regal. Oh, look, look, John Aystak's on with Scott Murphy. And my dad would say, shh, my dad would be getting so embarrassed, but I was just so excited because I just thought, Dad, can we go, please, Dad, can we go? Okay, yeah, we're going to go. And uh, it was just uh, just great memories for me, that. And I still, like, I'm smiling now because I think about it. Yeah, you are, yeah, you are, yeah, yeah. And I've got a young boy now and he gets excited about things and I'm saying, oh, Frankie, leave that, just calm down. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, my childhood was good, like, my dad was good and really encouraged the wrestling. So when you when you started putting the rings up then like uh, Brian approached you. So when when Brian would have saw you for the first time helping put the rings up, did he then make the mm. the connection like oh, where's your dad? <laughs> uh, I mean yeah, I, I, I think he did so at one point when your dad come in and but yeah, he knew I was the same person who and, and I guess he probably encouraged like the Dave Marsh fella to to use me a bit more and to, to have me do the rings. Dave Marsh was an old bloke; he didn't want to work so. He knew I was a reliable lad and he'd just leave me to do the ring on my own. And, and Brian watched it, the other lads watched it. And I think, you know, I hear about people say, I've probably said this before, when he started, he got a load of stick, he got dragged about, he got beat up, they got wind ups, they got this. Uh, I believe when I started, because the lads had seen me putting the ring up on my own at 13, they'd, they'd just see me being this yes sir, no sir, I just want to, so keen, I just want to absorb, I want to learn everything about the job. I think they saw that, and so I had respect from the lads yeah. starting there because I was 13 actually when I started doing that, they were 14 when I had my first match they, they wasn't going to beat me up because it's just a bullying thing you know. They, they didn't really make it easy for me they, nobody nobody hurt me nobody beat me up or anything because they knew I'd done a bit of amateur they knew I'd come in on a, on a white path and so I think there was a yeah they accepted me uh, straight away well usually when you hear those stories about kind of people being treated certain ways it's usually because they've come in either with a bit of arrogance about them exactly, or because yeah. they think there's something and then it's almost like oh we'll show you but again if you come in yes sir I'll help the ring yeah. you're doing most of the work and stuff like that they probably looked at him and went well fair play to him he's, he's working hard there yeah it? I think they did I really think they did and again with the amateur bit back then there were certain wrestlers who could still like Mal Sanders he was a tough bloke you know they could still and I'd seen Mal not not certainly not hurting people and dragging about, but he didn't give him the time of day. He wouldn't really be that helpful. He had to have a reason, and he saw that that side of me, and he couldn't be nice to me. And I think if you give them a tiny bit, they give you so much more back. And I think that's that's now as well. You know, you you haven't got to kiss ass or anything, but you just got to give them a little bit, and you'll get more back. If that makes sense. No, hundred percent. I hundred completely agree. How, how was the first match with uh, Darren Moss? It was again. It's all a blur. I remember, I remember walking through the door. I had a big towel around my neck because I thought wrestlers come out and have a towel around their neck. Don't know why. Cause they they don't. But and I walked out. Blurry, blurry, blurry. Got in the ring. And it was obviously okay. It wasn't. It wouldn't have been amazing. But uh, they announced at the end who enjoyed the match. Blah blah. It was just lads' first match. It's only fourteen, and I got a nice cheer from that. And for some, how old was Darren? Darren would have been. Uh, he's got a few years on me. So he'd been eighteen, maybe. Okay. So he he had a few years in the job. But the uh, I didn't have a wrestling name when I first started. I was just my name was James James Atkins. My name, yeah. but I didn't have a wrestling name. And the MC there was a bloke called John Harris, who was a superb MC. He was just amazing. 
some call him like the governor he was that good and he'd retired but he'd come back to do some for a couple of weeks so then I said I said I haven't got a name but I've been told you you'd think one up for me <laughs> so so he gave me the name he said oh it's a nice famous name to remember you're going to remember James Mason so the actor the actor yeah and it was it was in Worthing a lot of old people go to Worthing a lot of old people in the audience and they all relate to it and incidentally my, my mum and dad and my nan come to watch the show and it's my mum's maiden name so my nan was there uh, she's amazing. Oh, really? She, today she died. She is that is that how it came about, or is it just complete complete coincidence? But today she died. She thought I named it after. Oh, that's nice. Her. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, she comes to a lot of shows. But John Harris was so good at changing things and doing little angles and doing things. So in the match, I've lost against Al Marsh. All of a sudden, uh, Soldier Boy Steve Prince comes walking out. Hey, hey, hey! What are you doing in this ring? Get out! You should be. Home. That's what he said. He was really <laughs> like. And I was like, oh, how do I react to that? I didn't know what to do. Another wrestler, Richie Brooks, come running out to save me. He says. Well, if you want to take this ladder, I'm going to be here. So we did a G on the first match, and yeah. we never come back with a G. But it was a, uh, it was like, oh, how did I, I land on the spot? And apparently I did okay. And that got back to Brian. And then the following week, my, my second match was a tag with Danny Collins. So I thought, how's this happening? And then <laughs> I wrestled Mal Sanders three times in that week. I was on with Scott Murphy that week. It was, and I just thought, how has this come around to, to being out on my second week in the job and uh, just learning from all these people that you just learning, absorbing everything and uh, and so training schools now are amazing don't get me wrong but I was just so blessed that I learned on the on the job if you what, know what, what about school then school done just... no not really I was still going to school but I was bunking off all the time I'd go into school with this big holder I'd have all my gear in and I'd it, yeah I was getting out of school at lunchtime I was getting in trouble first skiving and then I got to my 15th birthday and uh, the heads called me into the office and said look we know you've got another job, we know you don't want to do school anymore, but you have to. But if you're not going to give it all, what's the point? So he said, if you want to leave, you can, but you have to come back for your exams. Boom. Out that door. Up. God, I was out the door, I went straight there was to the a, there, was a, there was a gym-shaped hole was, in the wall. I'd gone, I remember it so clearly, this was on a on a Monday, so the Monday morning, I rung Brian, I, I had a, a load of pound coins, because I was really lunch, I put pound coins in the phone, because <laughs> that's what it was then, on his mobile. Uh, Brian is James Mason, the kid. Kid, what, what do you want? And uh, I can't do the accent. You call you, you, oh, you haven't got, you haven't got. No, no, I can't. Oh, have you not got a brain in uh, But to this day, I'm, I'm nearly forty. He still calls me kid. And uh, I said, Brian, uh, I've left school. I said, I'm free. He said, Well, can you be at Minard like for the morning? I said, Yeah. Went straight. I got my bag. Boom. Went to Minard and I, I moved out. I never went back home. I was living in Birkenhead. I was, uh, I was on the road. I was just, uh, I was just having a great life. What was, uh, what year was that? Uh, that would have been. So I was fifteen. So that'd be ninety four. Yeah. And then did you just work for Brian? Pretty much? Work for Brian, pretty much. Like, it, was, it was constant, it was daily till about 97. Uh, then Brian started slowing down for some reason. It, obviously, business died off a bit. And then like, I found out about the, the holiday camps, like the uh, uh, not so much the Butlins. I was doing Butlins with Brian before, but then you go off to do the Haven camps and the small private type camps. And that's when we were getting like the 30 or 40 shows a week. Yeah. So I was doing that. That was like an eight, nine month one. Yeah. So you had that doing like three, maybe one day, we did four shows in a day. So I was doing that for for yeah for four nine months. That moving on from the end of March right through to November. And it was just pretty much Brian you were working for. There was no uh, no no that was a bloke called Tommy Stewart that went. Oh okay. So Brian had a couple of years where it went quiet. He still did Croydon maybe a Bristol, but it went quiet. And then uh, yes, yeah, so I was working on the holiday camps. But then you get back to Brian when he picked up a year or so later. But were they the only were they the only real two? And of course like. Oh, he would. You work for him? I did a thing probably when I was 14. I went to Ireland with him once and I did a TV as one of the Reslos that I'm on. Yeah. I'm, I'm really proud, so I did. Uh, but yeah, then I had to miss some jobs probably because I was still at school and oh, I didn't understand that. <laughs> and I always said, oh, I'd love to go around again, but I, I have to go to school. Oh, you English, whatever. Get out <laughs> and I didn't speak to Oig for probably 10, 12 years. Oig was funny. If you let him down once, never spoke to you again. Yeah, I did that. And then I've 
10, 12 years later, I was uh, got reintroduced him again. I had great times in Warwick. Amazing but, person. But like now, of course, there's so many promotions you can't bloody drive 10 miles down the road without hitting mm. some sort of promotion. But back then, there couldn't have been that many working. No, they just were. If there was, I didn't know about it. Uh, Max had, uh, had stopped running. He he was helping out with Ian McGregor's show. So Ian McGregor had a few shows just weekends. I did quite a lot for Ian McGregor, but that would just be on Saturdays. Uh, Scott Conway was running quite a bit. Another bloke who's called the Wrestling Alliance and another bloke Steve Barker who's running a bit. But that was it, really. And if there was other stuff, I certainly didn't know about it. Oh, Shaky, there's another bloke, Cycle uh, Stevens, who used to run a lot of shows in Scotland. So you could jump on those little tours now and again. Yeah. Uh, but no, but, but Brian was, he's, he's been consistent for me pretty much all. On my career, so this would have been like you said, ninety seven, ninety eight, and then this would have led up to like the two thousands. When did you go out? Two thousand was when you went out to Japan, right? I think so. Yeah, I think I, I did something in Germany. I went to Germany. I did a ten day thing, and it went really well. So then I got asked to do the uh, Hanover thing, which was a sixty day thing. Who was that with? Uh, the, that first one was with someone called Dave Morgan, who was a fantastic wrestler. He's died now, unfortunately, but he was he was good, really special. So I went to Hamburg with him. Off for him for ten days. Then after that, I was uh, lucky enough to go to Hamburg. Uh, sorry, Hanover. I was only supposed to be for ten days, and if it was good, then I got extended to the sixty days. So I got the sixty days tournament, and it was only one. And all the other lads that were there said it was the worst tournament ever because it was quiet, wasn't as much fun. But for me, God, it was just. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the caravans out the back, living in the caravan for two months. The venues there, I was training. At, and it was the only time I've ever been in the real routine with training. Our life was great. I was just, you can imagine what he was getting up to. It was just, just great fun, you know, drinking, meeting people. and Just having a wheel of time. Just great times, yeah. So you're always chasing, when I speak to old wrestlers, they say, it's all right now, but I'm always chasing those good times. You just, you still stay in the job and you still want to be around because you just might have those times coming back, but they don't come back, you know. But that would have been your first proper international? Yeah, that would have been the first one, and then after that, Japan come from it. Uh, I managed to get three trips to Japan, which were good, and that was at a time where... You, you, you're getting good money to go. I don't know what lads are getting now, that's obviously their business, but it was, it was good money then, uh, for back then, and for me, I was still, I don't think, early 20s, so it was, it was good money. How did you, uh, how did you find that, that, that change to go to Japan? Well, when I got there, terrified, absolutely terrified. But so did you get it because of how well you did in, in June? Uh, I, I think that helped, I mean, uh, Brian had a time where he was a, an agent for it, so they were contacting Brian, and Brian was putting people in, but uh, I think it had come from, from the Germany stuff, so somebody put me in them and then someone had seen us and it it went on from there. But I remember getting there being terrified, thinking I'm not I'm not well, I'm not that I'm not ready for it, but I thought I'm watching their matches, how do I compete with what they do? And then you realise that they don't want you to compete, they want you to be you, just you. I think on the third night I did jockey off the middle rope and I got called straight and they said, Why why are you doing that? I said, Well, because that's what I do back home. He said, Well yeah, but we do that and they just wanted headlocks, nip ups, and reversals, so I did them as good as I can. And uh, they wanted British wrestling. Yeah, that's what they wanted, and I was lucky to go with Rob on my first trip. And so me, yeah, me and Rob went for the first trip. It was like two weeks, and we, and it was just perfect. So us doing what we were doing every day, but making it better because obviously it had more adrenaline. It was more trying to impress over there. We just really sort of tightened up what we did here, and it was it was good. So it really really got me over over there. How did you find the fans over there? Yeah, they, they were good. They just they they really appreciated what you did. I mean, I, I wasn't used to the silence, and then when you do a good move, they clap. You you try and get a move, and you grab the rope, they they go crazy for so. It was just learning those first few shows what they really want to see, and uh, but no, yeah, it, it was great. Just because what me and Rob did, or what I did, and then what it was so dim than what the other six seven matches did. Uh, so no, it was good. How long how long was the first tour? Uh, I think it was a couple of weeks, and I went again about six months later. I think that was for three weeks. 
and then the following year I went. So I managed to get three trips all around about the sort of three week mark. How long was the plane flights then? Uh, I think about thirteen hours. I think I know Direct? the first time. Yeah, the first time I went with Virgin. It was a real good one. Yeah, yeah, that was like my first long haul flight. And uh, yeah, it was a thirteen hour flight, but it was a nice TV. Flight. Of course, <laughs> of course. Best. Yeah, no, it was TVs then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, back in the day. Yeah, no, <laughs> Nothing was but TVs. the best. Yeah, I remember I had the little button there, my button wasn't working properly, but, uh, but you yeah, know, we had a TV there, but it was only like a couple of channels, and it wasn't like the TVs you get now with like 20 channels and what you want. And I remember you could only watch it in sync, so that movie would start now if you had to, you couldn't pause or anything. You if just you fell asleep and walk up, yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. yeah, of course. And then that would stop, <coughs> the movie would play, so you'd have to watch them. As I went like that, there was no yeah, stopping on demand stuff. See, I knew you got in Japan. I'd seen, I'd seen clips of because uh, internet's amazing. I'd seen clips of, from you from Mishinoka Pro, but I didn't know that you'd done you'd done three tours, and I, and I definitely didn't know that you went out there with uh, with Brookside. So yeah, the fir- yeah. first trip was was me and Rob, but we were the only English sort of speakers there. Second one was a uh, uh, Chad Collier. Yeah. Uh, and then met Chad, but the funny was with Chad, uh, me and Chad were there. We were the two international people. Every day, take my worst time, nip up, lovely bush, end of, that was it. 10, 12 minute matches, sweating, because I, I sweat, but it was easy, you know. It was yeah, really easy, me just so my comfort zone. Poor Chad was working his, his plums off, just got the stuff he had to do. He was the American guy, he was the American, the combination person. He, he was he was knackered, it was really... What do you mean? But they just expected so much from him. He was in eight-man tags, we had so much to remember. He was doing these matches where he had to do so much, he was really working hard. Well, this would have been early 2000s, so this would have been... Years before his Ring of Honor at UNCA, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but he could do all that stuff. Don't get me no, wrong. I know he could. It yeah. was nightly, and he was looking at me, and I'm just take me wrist. It was, <laughs> it, was just, it was so easy, and sometimes you want to sort of tip up a bit, but it was getting such good reaction just doing that. And you do a fight up through the loads combination. Oh my god! Then now I think they've seen a lot of that stuff, but back then they just hadn't seen it. I mean, Johnny Saint had been there; he'd been there a couple of years before, so he'd done the the, the Russ Abbotts and that, so they'd seen it. But I was doing it just a little bit different, and it was just no one had done it since he'd been there. So you. Yeah, you, you, I was just so lucky and it was easy. And then the last time I went, I went with a, a Canadian bloke called Thunderbird Brett Como. No, I've never heard of him. No, it was, uh, he, was, he was all right, but it, it wasn't as... It did have that... that Christmas, yeah, the Christmas, you guys, it had. good. So then you came back from there. Uh, were you still doing a lot of international stuff after that? Yes, so-so. Uh, the, I think that's when my me, me trip started for four weeks. I was doing a lot of stuff. I know, but no, I... I think I said about this on another podcast. I missed out on a lot of the uh, the foreign trips just for the fact that I was so busy, you know, and you, you just couldn't commit to stuff. I just knew that I was still getting date sheets for Brian. So you come up, you knew you're still getting 25 jobs on my point. You just didn't look elsewhere. And thinking about now, I would have liked to have gone to a few more countries. I missed out on a couple of good trips and I was seeing someone at the time who, oh God, she, she hated everything about this job and mm. didn't want me doing this. I had a, a real good trip to Japan. I should have gone. And Frankie Sloan still has the contract. I don't know how he had me there. But, and I missed out on a real big big trip for, yeah. for, for for one of the Japanese companies just because I was seeing someone but again I, I was so busy with Brian you just didn't need to look elsewhere it was a you know when they say we're at the boom now we, there's something really good happening in this job you know we will probably get on this later but but, but it, to my to, in my head if it's a boom I'm out five six nights a week so I'm, I'm out three four nights a week but until I'm out six nights a week it's not a boom you know I know you can make more money now for doing two shows a week than doing six but I still like to think of You said boom as, as many shows as Yeah, and I think there are as many shows, but on a Saturday night there could be 20 shows in the country. You know, So you, you're turning down more shows than you're doing now. You, you'll find out as well. Yeah. I mean, you look at your list, how many jobs are you turning down because you're already booked? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, it comes to um, we So uh, I, had to, I had a question. It's absolutely gone. So you... Came, oh, yeah, I was going to ask. So when you say you're doing these five, six days a week, 
Did you have a ring at this point? Did you got no, yourself no, no. a ring? No, no. Again, I, I, was, I was seeing someone. I don't want to bring up about her too much because it wasn't a great time in my life. But uh, uh, I think she had a bit of money, and her family had money, so they just they'd give me all this talk. Of, oh, you're going all the way to Skegness for that much money? Oh God, what are you going there for? You know, you need to get a proper job. And just didn't, and just didn't get it. Didn't get it at all. And you know yourself. There's now obviously. This, this is your life, this is all we do, so finances do have to come into it. There was a time when you just want to be on the road, you just want to do a job. It didn't It didn't matter if you got X amount of money. It wasn't, when you're in that ring, it doesn't really matter about the money. And that's what it was like then, and they couldn't justify why you're doing a day's work, travel that way for X amount of money. You know? but, so they basically said, look, or she said, look, we, we keep doing it, but you've got to earn proper money. You've got to, you, you're, in, you're nearly 30 now, you, you've got to be... No, what would I have been? Probably 25, yeah. So yeah. you're getting you get in a stage where you might want to buy a house, you might want to do this, you want nice things. And, and I just thought, yeah, I need to earn respect on money. I'm a grown man, I need to earn man's money. So uh, And I looked at buying a ring, and uh, and it's been great. I had 10 years where it was really, really bloody good. So what would that have been the time you bought the ring? Yeah, I bought the ring, and so for the next 10 years it, it was good. But, uh, yeah, it, it did more. But then, then the job turned, where it was about the money. It For a while, the, the job wasn't about getting in and just enjoying it and loving the job. It was... I need to make the money, I need to make the money. And then you get offered a job and it's not a ring job. It's like, oh my God, I'm going all that wages for that money. And mm. and I don't ever want a job to be like that. You know, I want the job to be because I love the job. And I still do. But as you get older and you get bills and as you know, it's, it has got to be about the money as well. And it takes a big bit of fun off the job. It's, I think it's, yeah, I think it comes down to that creative factors, isn't it? Because if you've got something... And not all wrestling shows you're gonna do are gonna are gonna be great, and not all wrestling shows mm. the way when you step in the ring with are gonna be great opponents. So if you have that opportunity to do a great show with a great opponent, the money really does, as you said, it doesn't really matter as much. No, it it, it doesn't. But it was getting a point in my life where I was doing four or five nights a week, six nights a week, and going home and thinking that's that's not a lot of money for for what I've done this week. Yeah. And then you ruin in a car for it, you know, you you drive now yourself, things, yeah, yeah, yeah. you when you ruin a car for for the job, it's. I've destroyed this. I've destroyed this car already. <laughs> you have to justify it, didn't you? And, uh, and at least when I was doing the ring, I was getting respectable money, and uh, you know, you, you put it around and do everyone's on. It's it really boosts your money up. So, like four or five ring jobs a week, that's that can be a good good living. And if you do get a week where you've just got one job, you can still get by with, with what you're getting. Just a ring job. Yeah. So this would have been well, two thousands. Probably would have bought the ring. What two thousand and one? Probably uh, maybe a bit later. What you been? Uh, yeah, probably two thousand and five. Bought the ring? Yeah, I bought the rings. Yeah, that'd be about 13 years ago, probably. 2005. So before that, then, you would have gone out for TNA? Out for. Uh, yeah, it would have been, yeah, that was before. 2004. Yeah. See, because this is how I remember it. I think it was 2004, wasn't so it? So I'd seen, I'd seen you, first time I'd ever seen you, I was in Butlins. I don't know, well, would it have been early 2000s? Yeah, you've mentioned it before. Yeah, yeah. Sky, Sky, it would have been when Butlins had the makeover and the skyline was yeah. up and stuff like that, because we always used to go to Minehead. We didn't go for a couple of years. And then I remember going back. And I remember, I remember going and watching uh, wrestling, and Butlin's a very family favourite, and I was a big wrestling fan. And I remember watching it, and my brother loved it because he was younger. But I would, I would watch it and be like, oh, maybe it's not for me. But I can remember you coming out, and I can remember watching him going, no, he's, he's a real wrestler. Like, yeah, yeah. I remember thinking that. Um, and then I think, I, I, that was it. I didn't see you, I didn't know anything about independent wrestling. I was just a WWE fan, yeah, and that's, yeah. that's it. And then TNA came onto onto Challenge TV, and I think I'd met uh, I'd met Hitch at this point, and we were in his back garden, probably throwing ourselves on ma- onto yeah. mattresses and stuff like that. But I remember us being at his one night, and we were watching TNA, and they said they're going to do his X Cup, and out comes out comes the uh, team. Is it was it Team UK or was it Team? Yeah. It was Team UK. Team yeah. UK, I think, yeah. And out out the team comes, and I, I remember just turning to Hitch, and we're like, 
So are my buttons. <laughs> like, yeah, but, yeah, but how did how did how did that come about? Uh, I've heard different rumours why it come about, and, I, and I'll tell you what the rumours are. But I don't know how true it is. I've never actually asked the people, which is silly because they're friends of mine, so I can't. But uh, we was at Chester on a Saturday night. Rob just come up to us and said, uh, "I suppose you fancy going to America tomorrow for a job." What? Yeah. What? 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 And, uh, and yeah, he said, I don't suppose you fans go. And I said, well, yeah, I wouldn't mind. I said, I said, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I've not done it. He said, you're ready. He said, if you want to go, you go. And uh, he said, who else wants to go? And uh, I feel like, oh yeah, I'd love to go. Uh, Whippy was going to go, but he didn't have a passport. Some other lads were going to go, but they just couldn't go at that time. Uh, so yeah, me, Frankie Sloan, Dean and, and Dynamite went. And uh, the rumour was that, I my name had always been mentioned for it, but I don't know how true it was. But it was going to be Rob, Doug, Jody and Johnny going. Uh, well, they had the buzz at that point they had the buzz, they? Yeah. Rob, Rob couldn't go for saying so they were still going to go but then they found out who they was on with what they were doing they just going there to be, be jobbed out as it was yeah, yeah. and they didn't go now I, I don't know if that's true because I don't think any of them would they're not the people who, well I ain't going if I'm losing but I, that's what I heard they they were going to go but they were they were going to lose so they, they didn't want to go again I don't know how true it is they might have had other stuff in the pipeline that meant they couldn't or something so I'd like to believe it was something mm-hmm. like that and we went and just had, had a great time but we knew a day before we, we wasn't ready in a way we had, our gear looked, looked bad we None of us was in shape or anything. We're not tan or we, we just looked terrible. God, we looked so bad. But I think the work come across all right. But we uh, we we looked a mess. And then we got there. We we didn't take it seriously. We we was out getting drunk every day. We we should have been there the day before to rehearse. And they said, and we said, we don't bloody rehearse. I've never rehearsed in my life, so I'm not going to rehearse. So we we didn't go. We we should have been respectful. Says yes to exactly what we want, but we didn't. We said, well, why are we rehearsing the day before when we got to do a, an eight minute match? Terrible actually, but. We were British. We never rehearsed. We, you'd done these tours of Japan and again yeah, and rehearsed. No rehearsing. So and even to this day, I still don't. I don't, don't rehearse. So, yeah. So we didn't want to. We, we was a bit bit moody about it really, but we should have been more accommodating. We should have embraced it, and we maybe more would have come of it. We got off some mix and stuff at the afterwards, and we just we just idiots really. We just brushed it off. We just wanted to go places for a jolly up, and now you, you get those opportunities. You, you got to lap them up, and you. But back then it was a. Uh, we just knew when we come home, we got regular work for Brian. It was regular job so we uh, we did bubble pushing it who did you wrestle I don't actually know the names of them all it was, it was four Mexican yeah, as you see you wrestled team Mexico yeah yeah Biz, Bisma Negro rings a bell yep Hector Garza yeah but the other two I don't know the names they were very good though they were they were very good uh, Esa Rios yeah Esa Rios yeah, yeah. again everyone but, but brilliant workers I mean uh, and they they knew what we did and we knew what they did and it, it, it did work I think and, do you know what miffed me out we were there and we were we were working as we were at home, we were showing out, we were getting real good reaction, and I love the reaction we got. And the other matches weren't getting any reaction, I mean, nothing, you could hear a pin drop, like big main events getting a pin drop, and we're like, oh, well, we, we're over it, this is that, they love us. Then when it got shown on TV a month later, you could hear a pin drop with us and the others, it sounded well, fantastic. Really? Because I didn't know about TV wrestling, they said, oh, hard cameras, I didn't know about hard cameras, I didn't, I didn't know about any of that sort of stuff. It was just, so we just worked as if we were working at Butler's, because yeah. the crowd was so lively there, it was a real good crowd, noisy. We're geeing up and they're like, no, don't, we don't want you geeing up. That's not. And like Dave Taylor saying, you did all that geeing up, you did all that hard work. They're not going to show any of that, and they didn't. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I remember speaking to uh, Dean on, and I remember speaking to Dean about his, and Dean was completely heartbroken about his. He got a bit teary. Yeah, I don't yeah. know where that come from. He got teary. Yeah, he really. Uh, Said he felt like he let the team down. He, he didn't not by any means, but yeah, but we obviously went, but we told him you're a waste of time. We, <laughs> we, we made as best friends, as best friends, totally do. That's how we do. But yeah. so we didn't encourage it at all. We just laughed because he got upset. 
<laughs> but we, we could eat a bit of stick that week. Not bad, not bullied him, but some people say we just, yeah, we had a bit of a game. Yeah, with a bit banter, he, yeah. But he was underage, well, he wasn't 21 yet. So we're going to bars and he was getting chucked out of a couple of bars and that. And, uh, so it was just funny when he was there with the little boy and we was, we had to pretend we was his parents in one of the bars so we could stand and play pool and, uh, yeah, so we were more about to stay in most nights, but me and Frankie just went out. And, I mean, that's what well, yes, Rob wouldn't have, Rob wouldn't have been 21. No, no. and, and Rob did drink. I think he might have been 21, but Rob did drink, and Rob was whew, straight laced. He was like a. Lean, lean, yeah. Yeah, he really was. So they didn't come out at all. So it was just me and Frankie. And that's how I got me a real good bond. Frankie's one of my best friends, probably yeah. is my best friend. And that's uh, that's how we got such a good bond by being there. Out there. So you you went to 2004, you came back. There was was they did. I'm pretty sure they did another X Cup. I'm pretty sure they did. I, th- but, I think they did. I'm but, not sure who went, but but did they do another Team UK? I can't even remember. I think they did, but again, I don't know who it was. I have no idea. I don't know. I think they did. They did carry it on a bit, but again, I don't know who was in it. But um, so you came back. You would have got the ring, and then you were doing the the ring jobs. Did you have and that was that the ring that had the concrete inside the inside the posts. Is that the one? You no, and, and Alan bought a ring recently. It's got concrete in the posts. I'm sure. You, didn't you have concrete in your in your posts? It feels like it. I was going to say. Yeah. Post, it feels no, like I have. I got. One. I remember getting it up on my yeah. shoulder once. Oh, yeah, and I walked like once, it. and I felt like I was the felt like I was the biggest man in the world because I did because because of his post. He's, he's pure technique, and, and I do show off with him. Hoist them up. I know. Yeah, I'm know. struggling. Oh, just one with him. And if you see people struggling, it's great. But it's just pure technique. That's all it is with those posts. But I lifted up a post the other day. I show. Oh, my God, I couldn't move it. So. Oh really? Mine are mine are okay, but uh, no, it's exactly the same ring. Nothing's changed with it. It's, it's been great. It's been, I've done a, a few new builds and that. It's been, it's been a real good investment. But I, I am bored of putting up now. I don't enjoy. It. I used to sort of be happy getting a van on the way there. Right, I'm gonna little workout, get the ring up, put my radio on. But uh, yeah, I'm not enjoying doing. Now you it get them like n- now you're waiting for those two kids to knock on the window. Yeah, sometimes I. Am. <laughs> uh, but I, I remember doing a ring job at uh, Murphy Tidville for. The, the Div Bolt, um, we obviously need to mention him. Oh, we were, oh yeah, we are, yeah, we are totally going to get... Uh, I think he'd kill us if we, if we didn't. Uh, no, he's got mission, hasn't he? And, uh, but, yeah, no, he, he got me a ring job through, uh, I think it was uh, through Bassey, his mate, and it was just in a boxing thing, they were doing a charity boxing, all these all these friends, so you got, like, 20 uh, Murphy boys all trying to help me put the ring up, and it was funny, but, oh, my God, it was hard work. Like, the hardest ring job I've ever done, I say it this day. Really? It, it was, there was no, no distance from the van to where the ring went, but I like, 20... 20 bolts trying to help me put them in. Can you imagine it like? But yeah, Murphy's great in it. You go to Murphy, there's just bolts everywhere. Just, bolts everywhere. It's, just, oh, it's a brilliant place. But anyway, that's another story. So, yeah, so, like, I came in in 2000 and. No. It would have been 2009. I came in December. Is that when you no, came in, was it? December 2009. You thought it was what? I thought it was earlier than that. No, December 2009 oh, okay. I came in. That's, that's when I came in and I, I got onto Ireland shows. Probably mid two thousand and ten. That's when I came on. Okay. Um, but to me, then I slowly saw the increase in it coming through. Well, this would be two thousand and five. How were those years? Because some people call that like the lull, the, the drop off period. Well, yeah, they say that, but it certainly didn't drop off. I me. Mean, I, I mean, I do hear a lot of stuff. People saying, "Oh, when the business was dead, and when these people brought it back up." And I, I don't get a bit about it. I could go online and have my little say. So I'll say that. Uh, a load of us kept it together. It wasn't just him, him, him. It was. You know, but it was all keeping together. I was still, I've never had a low. The only time I had a low was when I went and did holiday camps. You know, it's always been, it's always been steady. So, but we've been so under the radar, like you just said, you saw us a butler, you didn't see us again. So you thought that was the end of it, you didn't know it existed, but... It didn't, ex- it didn't exist outside that holiday for and, me. And there's still no now when, because we don't put it online where we are, we're still, certain lads are still out like constantly. We don't go at the end of the year, so what, I've had 320 matches this year. 
but we have if you know yeah, I mean, of we course. just don't we just don't feel the need to put it on online and to and to tell the world which I don't that's a good or bad thing I don't think it does any harm to tell people but just because certain people ain't telling them telling you doesn't mean it's not happening it's not happening and it, it was happening so I never saw any any lows there at all it was you know those sort of years it was some good years for me especially when I first bought the ring they were some, some good years those first few years when I had the ring were you, were you working mainly for, for Brian at that point? Oh, all for Brian. It was all for Brian. Odd okay. jobs you might get. And the only time you get an odd job is if somebody might call you up in the morning and say, like, I don't suppose you can do a ring job tonight. And I'm like, yeah, I can actually. Of course, you, you'd be on your way. But, but no, Brian was still like 25 jobs a month. November's were still like 20 odd jobs. And December could be a bit quiet. Maybe in May could be quiet. But you were still, you know, but you needed the odd quiet month because you'd had 25 jobs the month before. And when you do 25 ring jobs, you know, it's, it's hard. Uh, yeah, no, I was just generally just thinking, but um, so it was it was just Brian. When did you when did you start working for Alan? Because again, that's where our that's where our relationship comes from. Is yeah, I, I don't know. How I kicked him with Alan. I just uh, I, I know he gave me a few jobs and kept cancelling them. I cancelled him <laughs> on a day or stuff, and uh, yeah, that was a lot of stand joke. Alan, when he first first met him, uh, I was supposed to ring job for him, and I couldn't do it. So I sent Frankie to do it. He did this speech at my wedding, and uh, it was a terrible speech at the wedding, by the way. But uh, so he did a. Uh, so Frankie's gone and done a ring job. Where was this? Uh, it was in South Wales somewhere, but I couldn't. Okay. Do it. So uh, so Frankie's gone and took my ring, done it. I might have been in Germany or something. Uh, and then I've had a phone call of Alan saying, like, uh, "James, I'm sorry to say this, but uh, I might not be able to pay you tonight, and uh, but I will pay you next week." And I said, oh, "Alan, I don't, I don't work like that." I said, "I need the money." I said, "It's not nothing. I'll okay, see what I can do." He give me the money. It's no problem. But uh, I remember that was my first dealings with Alan. And was that Welsh wrestling? Yeah, it was. It was, it was a former Welsh wrestling, it was before Alan had established himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now Alan wouldn't dream of not, you know, there'd be yeah, no issue. Yeah. And even though he didn't pay us, he, he, he was going to pay us, he was one of those, but I didn't know him, I'd never met him before. And I think my, my comment was, well, I don't really know you, Alan. I said, I can't really be owed money because I don't know you. Yeah. Now he's one of your best friends, he could can owe me whatever he wants. And, uh, but that was, what, that, was like, that was the early days, wasn't it? I think he hadn't really, I think he was just getting to know the business yeah, and he was he, just figuring he, he it out. Know, and he was, but, but fair play to him, and now he's turning it around, I've seen yeah. him just go. He's been up and down like that, and all of a sudden he's at a real good level now. And uh, and I'd like to think that I mean Alan never admit it, but I, I've helped Alan a lot. Not in, in wrestling, just stuff about something do this way, do it. But he's helped me a lot as well. You know, between us, we, we've been a real good team, and he's a I won't be about him. But uh, I'd, I'd like to think I've had a little hand in Welsh wrestling getting it to where it is. I'm, I'll not take credit for it because he he's put so much time in. But I just there was a time when I was doing a lot for him, and uh, we would talk a lot. And I'd like to think that was. You know, I never really put him in also other than just turning up and working with that. I've not I didn't get it to where it is for Brian. Brian did that himself, you know, yeah. he was at a level. But I'd like to think of Alan he come as like a blank canvas and he, he was happy to take some advice, so I'd like to think uh, Like I he'd ask questions yeah, and he'd be like, Okay, how do I do this? Yeah, he'll never admit it. <laughs> I, th- I think we've got a mutual oh, understanding. Man, I can I can see my I can see my uh my face I can see my Facebook already lighting up with a message from me going, Can you remove that bit yeah. from the book? <laughs> you keep that in. I will keep I will keep that. That there's no world first thing. <laughs> that that'll, be the, that'll be the soundbite I'll use for, yeah, yeah, <laughs> for the podcast. No, I mean I'll, I'll touch on about Welsh wrestling a bit, but what I love about Welsh wrestling, I, I was getting I've been in job a while. Certain wrestlers had stopped working. The, the lads that I really love spending time with they had sort of fizzled out and there was only the odd few lads on all stars that I really enjoyed being around and it's still always been I've always liked the atmosphere there, so it's never bombed me, but I just needed to have a bit of fun in the job again. And then I met up with Alan and started doing the Welsh team, uh, being around them. And they're just great lads, like you know, they're, <clears throat> they're just real nice shows to be on. Great, great changing room. You know, the matches are good. It's just such a nice atmosphere to be on. And uh, 
you know, yeah. So I, I was really grateful that I, I got involved with Welsh Rushing at that time. I needed, I needed like a bit of breath of fresh air for the job. You know, it was a real good thing. Well, and again, because of Welsh Wrestling, you met the man that is mean Tommy Dean. Mean and, Tommy I, Dean. and I have said this. I, I'm, I, it'll be an absolute nightmare to edit. But I have said to him that I will get. Don't edit. That's the thing. No, I, I can't. I can't. Like, I, I, I. I fear that if I do one with, with me and Tommy Dean and I do not edit the podcast, it'll be the last time both me and him work <laughs> out. I don't know. Well, he'll, be, a, he'll, be, he'll be fine. It'll be, be me that will work, yeah. Because you can say stuff in here, can't you? I mean, you ain't got to watch your language. No, nah, I, I can swear. Yeah, 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 I can swear. Yeah, he'd, he'd be fine. I think he'd be great. But yeah, Somebody said to me that it might need to be a video once the subtitles come up, <laughs> can come up on the, on the, on the yeah, screen. Yeah, maybe. But so you would have met... You, can you remember the first time you met Bolt? Uh, so I just remember the first few times I saw him on shows he was on with Dog and I thought a bit of a loose cannon this one but I saw something in him he had a bit of character and uh, yeah I did see something in him but so he'd been on with Dog a few times then Alan said oh do you mind going on with me tonight I said no, no problem at all thinking it would just be he's a villain I'm a blue it'd be easy oh my god was I wrong it's like being in a fight I told him <laughs> it really was I mean I, I ain't had fights in my life but if I did this is what it'd be like it, it, was, it was hard you know chipping teeth I could believe thick ears and it was just unnecessary little trickles of blood coming out my nose for no reason at all. And then did it again. Oh, okay, here we go again, here we go again. And I'm saying, Alan, Alan, this, I'm struggling here. I said, uh, you know, and I'm, I know I say I can work with anyone, but I can't work with a div, you know. And <laughs> somebody's got a, he's got a bit of savvy about him. And then eventually something just clicked on him. And uh, now he's one of those people I'd pick over over most of them. He's, his work's brilliant. He's As a villain, he's superb. He's just, he's an idiot for 23 and a half hours a day for that half hour when he's about to go in the ring and in the ring he's superb but I just can't stress how much of a fucking idiot he is you know and it's one of life's uh, yeah one of life's fuck ups really which is a shame because <laughs> he's, uh, he's got heart of gold he's uh, doing for you give you his last pound uh, he really would yeah you make, a friend, you make a friend with Bolt you make yeah. a friend for life he's got your back if ever you're in trouble you no, can yeah. him up. if he can get there if he can get the bus fare to get there because he don't drive <laughs> he's a 30 year old man that don't drive he'll uh, He'd get there and uh, yeah. he, we fell out once and he, he challenged me to a fight. He wanted to fight me in the field. And, uh, he said, pick the field, I can't fight it. So I thought, well, I live in Oxford. He lives in Merv. I said, meet me in Bath. And uh, oh, well, how am I going to get there? I said, well, that's, that's the end of that, that fight, isn't it? There's under a quid if we'll have a fight in the field and he, no, everybody couldn't get there. I think he even rang up Alan. I said, Alan, I need, need to borrow some money. Oh, what, what do you want for? I'm, I'm going to fight James. And Alan said, just go away, don't be stupid. But, uh, yeah, I remember Alan saying, what's all this with you and Bolt having a fight? But this man, this man who's who offered to fight you here, is now the the the, the, the godfather to your child. Is this correct? It is, and uh, I ask as if I don't know the answer to that question. But yeah, he is, and, and the slight story is, is yeah, I met my first son, and I just thought, well, not for I know you shouldn't treat it as a laugh. I thought let's have the biggest div in wrestling, and then the most responsible person I know. So I had Johnny Kidd as one godfather, and me other one being Tommy Dean, and uh, fair play to him. No, he does a. Uh, he sends him cards, he gives him a bit of money now and again. He bought him a, a Cardiff uh, City kit and things like that. And he, yeah, he's been all right, but, uh, but now my, my, my daughter's godfather is Alan. And Alan brings him these big, really nice presents at Christmas and this and that. So they've done a deal now where I, I think Alan has actually bought, bought the godfathership off of, oh, uh, of off Tommy Dean. Yeah, I think he yeah. was short. He was in Benidorm on a stag deal, and I think he was short of a couple of quid. So, uh, <laughs> so I think they did a deal behind the bins and. Uh, yeah, he's bought the, the fathership, the godfather well of him. Well, you talk about uh, Johnny Kidd. You guys are, are pretty close, aren't you? Yeah, again, I put him in the in the mouse on the Steve Wake me. They're, they're just people I was with from day one. And uh, but yeah, I got I got a special bond with John. We really keep in touch. And uh, again, taught me so much in the job. But as a person, he's 
Yeah, it's great. And anyone who knows John, what a cracking bloke he is, you know. Yeah, we man. All know him. He's just so humble, so laid back, and uh, yeah, just a great person. So yeah, I can't, I can't speak highly enough for John, and, and superb in the job as well. He's just what he's done for the job and what he's still doing in the job. I think he's uh, he's brilliant. I wrestled him only a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's still not missing a beat. You know, there's no different in a match I'm having with him now than I did in in '93. You know, he's. I do really love how uh, every couple of months I'll see something that'll come up and say. Uh, Retirement match, and he must have, he must have done about twenty retirement matches and lost yeah. them all. Well, that's but what they say. Well, how do you get Johnny Kidd out of retirement? I just call him up. It's <laughs> <laughs> just as simple as that. Yeah, that, he shouldn't have retired really, because and I still go on the basis that I know someone else has just retired or is retiring, and obviously Doug and I just I don't buy it. You know, everyone's putting these messages online. Doug, you've been great this and, and I want to. I've got I've got members of Doug. I've got that's fantastic, but I can't go online and say blah because I don't believe for one second he's retiring. I just think. If you lose your leg, if your leg's chopped off, you lose an arm, you have to. I get it if you really have to. But when you can still do it, still do it at a level like that, as Johnny Kidd, how can you stop, you know? If you if you physically can't do it, I get retirement. But, it's you know, I know I can't, but if, unless something terrible happens to me, I can't retire. You know? Well, you speak about, you speak about Doug, we, we talked about Johnny and Jody. Well, they would have been... I I hear and I've, I think I spoke about it on a few podcasts and people have said to me that they never I'd heard bits and pieces about there being an all star camp and a hamlock camp and some and I I don't know everyone I spoke to was like oh I didn't like I think even Dean was like I never I never realised about this or whatever but uh, it must have come from somewhere. Can well, you... uh, I d- no, I don't I don't know about the camp because all I know with all star when when the hamlock camp was around or and an all star. All people who were full stop were just working. We were just on the road. The Hammerlock, it was a training camp, so you were there to train. You, you had shows, but you were training. All Star, you was out five, six nights a week, so it wasn't. And again, because there was no internet, you didn't know what was happening. You'd heard of a Hammerlock, but you didn't know what was happening. You certainly didn't know where they was working this week, that week. And unless you happened to be driving through Ashford and you saw one of their posters up, you had no idea that they had a show in there. Like they wanted to know where the All Star were running. There was now the internet's here, everyone knows everything, as, as you know, but then they were just. No way of knowing. So it, we we weren't aware of anything like that. You know, not aware at all. But yeah, so I don't know where I ever where I ever really I really ever came from. Can you remember when um, my first real exposure to them was when the wrestling channel was on uh, TV? Can you remember when that was? Uh, on? Yeah, there was. Yeah, so they, they did show a lot of the There was another thing called live TV that come out. I don't know if you remember that. And so there was it was an FWA, but it felt like a form of that. So there was there was there was some TV wrestling, but it was very. Very small. I don't know what sort of figures they were getting, and uh, yeah, I don't know how big it was. I know people on it thought it was a massive thing, but again, everyone said, "Oh, why weren't I on it? Why wasn't?" I was just working on it. We just had a world of sport thing. Oh, why aren't I on it? I should be on it. Well, first of all, it wasn't asked, which <laughs> wasn't great. I would. It's nice to be asked those things, but we were just working. It was just in my head. If I see there's a big shot, there was a big shot Wembley every week. Now I thought, God, I'd love to be on it. Loved, but ultimately, I was in Basel that day, so if I didn't have a job and I was sat at home that day, I'd be, God, I wish I was on it. I wish I was on it because I had a job. You forget about it. You don't worry about this. Is have a whole new world going on. As long as I've got a show that day, I'm happy. If that makes yeah, sense. Got yeah, well, yeah, I guess it could always it could always be worse, can't it? it yeah, can but be. you do. You see it now. You see someone online. So if you get the odd Friday, like very rare, but if you're off on a Friday or Saturday, and then you just see this twenty other shows, and bloody hell, why not? I on? I should be on one of them. And then you really want to be on. You you envious of all these lads that are working. But as long as you got a job on, if it's in a village or in front of ten people, or if it's uh, somewhere else with a thousand people, you just as long as you're on the road and you're working, you. You can forget about everything else that's going on, if that makes sense. No, I totally that, does. That's how I see it. There's some big shows about that I would love to be on, and I really think I might be able to offer something to it, and I feel I could hold my own on it, but I mean, as long as I've got a job that day, 
I'm okay about it. One of the things I was talking about uh, having a job, and you said you were in Belgium, so one of the things I was really, really pleased of, and I'd heard, I'd heard rumblings, and then it got announced, and then you were you out there is when you went over to uh, Philadelphia for uh, Sh- Shakara. Oh, yeah. So how did how did that come about? Uh, I, uh, well, Johnny Kidd's very close with, uh, with Mike Quackenbush. He'd been over a couple of times, and, and, and Johnny Saint had been out there. Johnny Saint been as well, yeah. And it always been mentioned that I was going to go, and it never quite come to it. And then just out of the blue, they come up with this Johnny Kidd thing, and uh, yeah, so just the ideal time for us to go out there. And that was another one I got out there thinking it was going to be this big setup, and I'm like, and it was just, it's just like a, a training school. It's like a warehouse where they do the training school. And next day it was show day. I can't believe the place. I can't recognise it. It looked great. Oh, they, 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 chairs, oh yeah. And it was a lovely setup. The crowd were good. It was. I, I really enjoyed being on that show. A lot, some people have views about Mike Quack and this and that. I think he's fantastic what he does. You know, I, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of him. And, what a respectful, nice person to be around, and his voice, you know, that motivational speech. Oh, uh, Johnny Kidd says, "How you need to listen to his speech and make sure you're there." <coughs> I do this pre-show stuff, and I'm, oh my god, you're there, hanging on every word he said. It was brilliant, and 99 percent of it I agreed. Yeah, you know, it's just brilliant, superb. But, but yeah, no, it was, it was good to be involved. That was all John that got me that, and incidentally, me, uh, my wife's family, all from uh, Pennsylvania. Oh yeah, we had a conversation about that. Yeah, very close to there, so. Uh, I was there, I finished the match, I walked out of the ring and my me, me aunt was sat down. It was just, it was, it was a real nice thing. And then so my aunt drove down to see it. And then I had such a good time there. I said, sorry, it's hard. Then I went on holiday with, with my wife the next week and kids, we just booked up and went to America. Where did you go? Uh, just to, to uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Just back there. I just, I love, love it over in America. So we just, who'd, who'd you wrestle when you were out there? Uh, he's he's going to be offended. I don't remember his name. Uh, he's very good. He's like their, their main villain. Juan Fresco Sanders that uh, oh, I can never pronounce I know exactly what it is it's uh, Juan uh, Frisco El Durat. oh I can't believe yes, I can't. I think, yeah. I think so I what, so what? And I'm embarrassed as well because I've wrestled him also so oh, okay. yeah. but, uh, but, well I feel bad so I, if he's listening I apologise because uh, he was very good he was perfect for me he was he was a villain you know sometimes you just want to for me to, to do what I do and to establish I, I need a villain you know I, I, I need either I need a Johnny Kid Blue Eyed I can get in that stuff doing love nip ups and that's great, but if not, I need I need a villain who's a villain. And I looked at the show, and there wasn't really any villains on. They was all doing like nice combinations. That he come out, he was the villain, and I it was perfect for me. And he just let me be me, give me a couple of real nice nip ups reversals, and then he just yeah, he just let me be be a blue iron. Got we want more chanting, and that it was a yeah, it was great. <coughs> well, you you speak about uh, Quackenbush's motivational speaking. It really is. It's something else, isn't it? Like, um, it is, yeah. I, I honestly believe that you could give one of those speeches and be like, right, okay, we're now going to go into this bank and we're going to rob it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. There's 100% do it. Yeah. But then they came over for uh, King, King, King of Trios. Trios. Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up. It was a real high point in me. Uh, you know, when you go back, you give yourself top five bits in the job. I did this I heard, I, again, I hear the rumblings that this was happening and this was the... The team they were going to well, do. But he, he just said to me, he said, "Would you be interested in us?" It's a job, of course. I mean, he told me what days they are for. I'm in Blackpool the day before. I've got to drive home. I can stop off on the way through. So I just thought, perfect. I definitely want to do the job. Uh, and he said, "Who do you want to tag with?" And uh, so I just said, uh, I, "I said Dean. Who did I say? I said Dean. Oh, D- Dean and Roy. Dean and Roy Knight." Uh, he said, well, <coughs> "Great team." He said, "But think outside the box. Who, who would you really? If you can have so a you, you, suge- you, you just suggested them because well, I, I've just thought he, I thought he wants just a good British team. I did and I just thought, boy, I think it's brilliant. Uh, Dean, I think it's brilliant. So I just thought, yeah, what a great tag team. Now, I knew there was, he wouldn't mind if one was coming from Norwich, a bit more exes. There was no, it wasn't a money thing. And I thought, oh, yeah, great tag team. That looked good. And uh, he said, no, I think outside the box. He says, think of, think of what would you really like? I said, well, ideally, I want like Mal Sanders and Danny Collins. I said, perfect. Can you get him? I said, well, I can ask him. 
And uh, so for me to tag with them two, like, and I've wrestled them loads, I've tagged them different ways, but to do a show like that yeah. with an audience that don't know Danny and Mal, we did it. I don't think it was sold out, but it was busy. It was Where a was it? Crowd. Wolverhampton. Uh, Wolverhampton, yeah. So in, was it the... the it's like a big warehouse. They, they run shows. Ah, it's Star, it was Starworks. That's okay, it, yeah, it was Starworks. It. Yeah, and it was good, and the atmosphere was got good light, and they made a real lovely setup. and we're watching the show, I think we was on 7th or 8th, and they've had Johnny and Jody on, did some quest, and there were other people who did quest, and they had the... Uh, WUK lads, the uh, uh, British Strongstyle. Yeah, British Strongstyle. I sat them on the, and I thought, oh, we're going to follow these, and I'm just watching it, and I just thought these don't seem to crowd that, that want to see us, and then we walked out. So, right, so was you probably like proper nervous? I, I was, and Danny and Mal, they weren't nervous. They just went through, but they, I could see them itching, thinking, just get this out of the way. They wanted 15 minutes. The Mal said, look, we, we, we do 10. See, see how it goes. If they're going well, we do 15. Said, but they don't see us, and he was really convinced. Mal had never done any show like that, and Danny might have semi-touched those shows, but he didn't do shows like that. Yeah. And, uh, and Mal still looked in good nick, you know, still like... Yeah, see, yeah, it's all the picture. still good, good nick, and, uh, and yeah, it was a real happy... And like when he got there, the respect the lads gave him, like you said, about the British Strongest fellas, and I didn't know how they were going to be with us, because I've, uh, I've met uh, I've met Pete Dunn before, I've been on with Pete. I, I've met Tyler back somewhere, but we've not never really spoken with him. Never met Trent Seven. And uh, I just see them as sort of making big waves, and I thought, are they going to turn the nose out? Are they, would they give us a time of day? And they, they were so nice to us, you know, they were nice. But everyone, the whole team was... They, they really went out of the way to be nice to Danny Mal. Steve Gray coming along as well, just because it's just for something to do. And, I mean, the lads really made a fuss of them. And uh, they was a bit overwhelmed by it, I won't tell you that, but they was. <clears throat> they were, so we got to we did the match. And I, I was your wrestling? Oh, here we go again. Why, so, why sorry. Uh, the, the lad we just said, the yep. Guam fan. Ah, sorry, yeah. And there was two others, so they had a bit of a tag team yep. there. And uh, he was very good. The other two was a bit, I say green, as they say, a bit newer lads, but... For the match they was in, we just needed three bodies, you know, Got you. blah, blah, blah. And uh, and it was really good, and the crowd was great all the way. It was like they had a crowd, the crowd knew that we wasn't them, we couldn't do that, but we can still do this, and they, they loved it. It was And it was, it was quite emotional, and the reaction we got was, was superb, you know, as, as good as yeah. something like, and we shouldn't have got as much as other teams, and we did, and uh, yeah, I found it quite emotional. And then at the end, they did like the lap of honor. There's a, there's a tiny little clip, I think on YouTube or somewhere, where... I go forward, raise my hand, they go, ooh, Danny Collins goes forward, ooh, and Mal goes forward, and they really erupt, and it's just, it was such a nice thing for, for Mal to see, and then Mal retired like a, a month after, and I think it was a real nice thing for, for them to do. And uh, Especially with them too as well, you think about it that way, is like, that, it would have been in, in Fight Club Pro's uh, it, yeah. uh, venue, and they're one of the leading uh, charges of this British independent movement okay. that's happening at the moment. Yeah. So why would they like that? You know, that's but no, no, I, I don't think it's anything to do with that at all. I, I think that the the fans, the fans are very knowledgeable now that probably if they hadn't seen you guys, a lot of them would have heard the name Goyans. I know that name. I know that name. And some of them probably would have gone out of their way to to look stuff up, or they would have when you walked in would have gone, "Well, I know that name. Why do I know that name?" Yeah, and they have an open mind. But I was more saying the fact that like, I love the fact that you came in to the business. And Danny uh, was somebody who kind of took you to one side and he helped you. Yeah, and, he did, yeah. and then you said, Mal, Mal really helped yeah, you. Really yeah, really you. Helped you. And then the fact you got to share in one of Mal's last matches, not just uh, on shows that you've done a hundred times, but showing a place that's on the front of this yeah. newer Absolutely, British yeah. independent yeah. wrestling movement. Yeah, no, that, that, that's what I felt as well. It is. I just I like some of these shows you go out there you think they're not going to buy this they don't want to see us they want to see this they want to see that and you go out and you're just proving completely wrong and you haven't gone out there and tried to compete and do what you think they want to see you've still gone out and done exactly what you do you, all you've done you might have just done it a bit more with a bit more feeling than you normally would if you know what I mean but you, you actually you're just doing your thing 
and that they still buy it. It's, it's a real nice, it's a good thing. And I say I was just so it wasn't about me that day. It, it was about them too, and uh, for them to get like respect. Like Steve Gray was watching. He was in the audience watching. And uh, he, he said he had a lump as well. He said it was a real nice thing to see wow. people like that. You know, we weren't crying, was but you could just no, see, yeah, yeah, just yeah, felt yeah. like it was an occasion. A little, little bit, a little bit yeah. here on the arms. A little and bit we all sent that message next day saying, "I really appreciate you being there." And it was, it was like a special. Yeah, it was a real special thing. And also, you get Mal, Danny Collins, and Steve Gray in a room together. They're funny. <laughs> They're really? really funny guys. You know, I don't think people. You know, you can say I'm Mal tells you that. Mal's a really funny bloke, and when he's got certain people to to feed off, oh god, it's just you just giggle. You got there's, there's a picture I put on and. The four of us all just laughing, and it just sums up. He's got this. He's got this huge oh, smile, hasn't he? He's got this. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I got a picture on here. It's just, it's just one picture. Just sums up, and I thought I put a thing on. I never got Facebook, but then I was trying to, and I said, yeah, this picture just sums up my weekend. And you, you just got that laughing where your, your face is hurting. You know, there are things about the job that I missed. Up. I mean, I had it tonight. I've just been out with some people tonight, and uh, we really laughed, and, and it was good. You know, it's, you just need that sometimes. Don't you just. You do the, the little bonuses in the job, and he's not. You don't, sometimes you don't need money. You just need that really nice, nice. So, yeah, sometimes you go out and just have that laugh that, and you just after you finish laughing, you're like, I haven't laughed like that in yeah. ages. It's just. It's been, do you feel that that match? Because we've seen each other. I've seen you a few times this year in places I wouldn't expect to see you. Like we bumped each other at Southside, and again, not to say that's not me saying that you shouldn't be there. Whatever. It's more the fact that like you you never do those shows. But I remember we were talking about it and you saying that oh, you, you want to do those shows. Do you yeah. feel that, that Fight Club and King of Trios kind of lit that fire a little bit? Of but it, it did a bit, but it, <coughs> it didn't straight away. I mean, I've, I've got a Twitter now. Uh, one of my friends, Kian, uh, Kian the Fox, he set us up with a Twitter. Kian, by the way, he's a top guy, top guy. I, top I really guy, top like guy. Got, he's, again, a real good friend of mine. And, uh, and he's one of those people that he, people don't really know about him and they wouldn't give him time of day, but he's... He can adapt to whatever type of show this now. He's very good. I can't speak on nothing. But yeah, he, he set up a Twitter thing for me, and and I've had a few bookings out of that. I think uh, I ain't got a lot of followers now. I'm trying to build them up, so uh, I'll give that little mention a bit. It's, yeah, we will do it. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I'm trying to uh, trying to build something. Like and so I have had a few bookings of that. But again, it's still the old thing. Can you do this date? Oh, shit, I'm already working, and uh, you know, I get me dates with Brian. Like now, at least when I know I see Brian's dates, I know what I've got, so I can work around it a bit. But it's hard to accept a job when you know as a Saturday night I'm going to probably get a ring job. So yeah. one way to just rest in, and uh, I'm not a big merch seller, so I'm not going down that route really to try and. Which I should do. That's gonna be the next thing I try and get on. But uh, yeah, so still you get off of these jobs, and I mean I don't want to go into money things, but I find as well I get offered a job. They say what, uh, what's your wage? I say ten pound more than Brian gives you, which I think is very reasonable. And we get back to you, and I just think, well, so what? What did you expect me to say? Did you expect me to come and say I'm gonna do it for ten? And what were they? Because I'm not, I don't outprice myself. I think I'm very reasonable for what, yeah. for what I'm offering, and and I don't know what other people are on, but I would say I'm I'm on par or, or a lot less than some people. So yeah, I do get that a lot when people ask you for a job, and, and again, I don't think I'm, I'm pricey at all. And uh, as you said as well, it's ring job, isn't it? Like if you go off the ring job, you have to take it. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, so I've let people down over the years through things like that. It's a bit better now because there's other little things in the job where I'm doing so. The money is coming in a bit more now, so I can be a bit more selective with certain shows. And uh, you know, that's things like progress. I'd love to work for them. I, I, I don't know what you got to do to get your foot in the door with things. A bit like Southside as well. They they give me a ring job, but they won't let me wrestle on it. And uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm frustrated by things like that because I still feel I'm at a stage where I can still add something to to any show. I'm Especially on. that Stevenage show. That Stevenage show, like we spoke about this. Yeah, we did. You like you, hundred percent. That family crowd. Like, yeah, it, like oh, everything, mate. Everything. I hundred percent would have loved to see you. Beyond that show, yeah, I mean, I've had that before where they say, oh, we've got to put you on, but we're not sure where to put you on, we're not sure where you'd fit in this crowd. But 
I still feel and in another two years I might not be able to but why why if you can still add something to, to a show you yeah you just sort of want to prove that but uh, but yeah it's hard, it is hard getting your foot in your door with certain, certain companies and, and again there's another stigma with me that I don't want to do anything and I don't and I, I do and I don't I, I can't call a load of stuff I can't go on and arrange a match for two hours I can't I've had an email of someone like a week before or we won next week have you got any ideas and I, and I can't do that I never will do that I don't I don't believe that's the way of getting a good match And but, but if I'm on with you and you want to do stuff I, I don't normally talk like this but tell me talk to me you know if I, I might avoid you I might not but <laughs> here, come, come and talk to me I'm, I'm a very approachable person and, we, we, we spoke we, well, we spoke to me uh, the other day and we turned and said that it's you were like, oh, maybe I need to change how I approach. And I said that given how long you've been in the job and given who you are <coughs> in the in the grand scheme of it all in British wrestling, that it's, if me and you were going to wrestle, I wouldn't expect you to come in and wrestle my style. I would adapt myself to you. And again, I, I, put, I use Johnny Snake as an example as well. Mm-hmm. If I was to, to wrestle uh, John, be the greatest day of my life, but if I was to wrestle John, I would, I would, I'd never come in and then expect John to try to work my style. because but he will meet you. And I will meet people halfway. I do yeah, want to meet people, but the amount of times I say, I'm, I'm using example, I'm all using one. I watch it, oh no, okay, whatever. Oh, so you just go through it, yeah, oh, fine. So you only should give me, you might give me one or two things that we'll do, but then I know people want to do more. Well, you, you can give me a bit more. If I think you give me two, I'm the first one to say, look, I've got to stop you there because I know I won't remember it. I know I can't do that. But um, if ever you're going to say something to me, like certain moves I do, I've got to land on my face. I know I don't say that well. Certain moves I can't, I can't do a lot of takeover. Certain moves I just can't do. So I'll never put myself in a position to do that. Now, if you want me to do something and I don't think I can do it good enough to justify you, justify me, I won't do it. But I'd rather you come and say, can we do this, can we do that? And, uh, and then it's up to me to say, well, no, but can we do it this way? And, I, and, and I'll always try and accommodate, but people don't. So I can only do if they don't give me anything, they don't tell me what they want to do. There's not really much I can do. I'm not going to say, well, do this, do this, do this, because that's not what I do. So you got to give me some stuff. And yeah, of course. Try and, of course. I will adapt, I will try and work around it. If I say no, there's a reason why I'm not saying it to be to be a knob. There's a good reason why I don't want to do... No, no, well, we, we wrestled, and again, uh, not getting too much away, but there was like something I said, oh, let's do this, and you were like, I'll be honest with you, I don't I don't take that great. And I was like, okay. And then I was thinking, you were like, well, how about you do Miss Dropkick? And I think at the time, I hadn't done the pro- the British, the way that you yeah. do it, the British style, but it's Dropkick. And I was like off, off the top, and I was like, oh, "Okay, I'll, I'll give it a go." I remember that match we did, and it, it was—it wasn't me. I was—I was pretending to be someone else, if I remember. Right. Yeah, that's I, true. I, again, we don't go into that, but yeah, uh, I was pimps on it, and it was the time we was on on Alan's show, and I know the audience Alan had today. It, it just didn't need that sort of stuff, and that, that was at a time when you were keen, weren't you? you yeah. Was, now you'd understand completely, but that, that totally. would be five, five plus years ago, wouldn't it? Probably. Cinema, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Cinema, uh, probably would have been, yeah, probably been over that. Probably would have, uh, 2000, maybe 2000. Yeah. So if you 12, think yeah. what worker you was then, you yeah. know, I think we, we struck an issue talking about Pete Dunn and people like that. What, what a worker was five years ago, and I see Zach Gibson, the number one, he's doing brilliant stuff now, and I've been watching his work lately. He's very good, you know, but yeah. I've wrestled Zach a couple of times, and he hasn't given me anything to, to be excited about. You know, I've been on with him, and we just go for emotions. Like, we was on one of these IPW shows from and uh, I thought, well, this is good, we're going to spice it up early, does this and that. And he came and he said, James, I don't do that sort of stuff. I said, well, I thought you did, oh, no, not really. And we had a reasonable match, it was fine, but it was nothing special. And then I see him now, and I think, bloody hell, what? But then I forget, you know, when I've just been carrying on doing my thing, you've been out regularly all the time, he's been out all the time, you've probably done 200, 300 matches since I've last seen him. Yeah. So I haven't seen these people working. You can change a lot. If you haven't got better and changed in 300 matches, then you need to get out of the job, don't you? <laughs> yeah, well, or, or maybe you need to find, need to have a look at who you're wrestling exactly, and, cha- yes. and change that, People yeah. Drastically change that. So I'm seeing people and I'm thinking, well, 
I went over there and they were good then. I just didn't do anything to impress me, really. And three years later, they're, they're like different people, you know, completely different people. Well, I, I always think about the Welsh wrestling shows, and I think I only really... I did I, I, With you, I think I, I did a handful. And I, I didn't do lots and lots with Alan, if I'm honest. I, I was more the, the guy, if he needed somebody to come in with, with Bo, I was the guy that he filled it. But I remember, and looking back on it now, I never really at the time knew how to really work those shows. I was really keen, I wanted to get all my stuff in. Of course. And didn't really, know, didn't really know how to structure that just right and get the reactions off the crowd. So all I cared about was trying to get all the, the cool stuff in. But I do, <coughs> I do remember the last going off that I worked for, for Alan. And it would have been, I, it was, it might have been Rex, I mean, he was when he was doing the A's and B shows and he was down... Yeah, yeah. I think he had done the Nefley and you were running the, helping him run the one up in Wrexham. And me and Bo had a match. And you come back and you were like, that was great, lads. That was absolutely fantastic. You were like, Alan, be really happy with that. And I was the last one I ever worked with him. And that was the moment where I'd, I think it clicked. Like, I get I get it. I get yeah. now. I get how to, how to work. I get how to show out. I get how to do all this. And I can remember uh, turning to Hitch and going, and Alan will never see this match. And I think that might be the last time I, I ever... I do remember saying it to him that was, it was good. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, I do remember saying it. But I, I always say this when I do all the seminars and I don't hate that work. So it's, it's not... I, I don't still have what the word seminar means. It's like you're training, but you, you, you work accordingly for where you are, for the audience you are. Yeah. You sell accordingly for, for what's happened. And it's the two real key points. If you remember that... And, and I think that's what I learned over the year. But I say well, you've done so much. You, do learn, you just learn to work. You learn to work buttons. You learn to work the south side. You learn to work this and that. And, and it does 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 like stay really well for for your career if you can just learn to work pools, which I'm seeing lads that, that, that do know. You know, you work so many varied shows now. You know, you had your little one of buttons as well, so you have got a good idea of of what much audience yeah. wants. So what's what's next for James? What's next for James Mason? Anything, just, <laughs> yeah, just, just just bring it on. I'm just, uh, uh, I mean, all, all stars still around. All stars very seasonal now, so you're real busy for a month, then it's very quiet. You're okay. real busy for the summer, then it's quiet. And so I'm at a stage now where I can work around stuff. I'm trying to run a few shows and once, run some stuff with Alan. Yeah. Alan's got a real good backup for me, so uh, so I do still do a lot of stuff. And I don't do so much of the world shows now because he's got his own ring and stuff like that. But I still do a lot of work with Alan. Uh, yeah, just anything, any booking anywhere. And, Still lucky to do quite a lot of Germany, which is good as a company That's called good. Power Wrestling, which, uh, which is a real good, consistent company and nice setup and they're real nice shows and that. Uh, uh, yeah, I've got still got the odd, odd shows abroad, which, which is nice and uh, yeah, I went to like Q8 this year, countries like that. I've never been really. I've never been. Would you go there with like that? Uh, Bambi Killer, Wrestling. Uh, I think they're called uh, yeah, QPW. Uh, there's a company who run it there. So Qatar Pro Wrestling, and they had a show. And, How was that? So it was great. It was great. I mean, the shows shows what they were but it was it was quite a big bodybuilding uh, convention thing it was and, uh, were, they, were they big numbers or uh, not crazy numbers no, I said it was a big so bodybuilding convention we was a part of the ah, uh, gotcha. convention so there, there was times it was more but then some people left and they come in yeah I know like, yeah, I've worked on sort yeah, of yeah. Was, uh, Ronnie Coleman was there the big bodybuilder really so Ronnie Coleman was quite so you spoke to him yeah yeah we spoke to him yeah we met him I was in a lift with him and uh, we, we went to the airport with him yeah, is he massive like, uh, he is. He's. Uh, he's. I think he's had it. He plays more sound now. So, yeah, he's, yeah. so he's. He's, well, he's quite. He's quite like nearly a, a ton or something. Didn't yeah. He? So that's got to do some yeah, nice But yeah, no, we met him and uh, yeah, it was a real good thing to do. Just to say, say you've been there. And, uh, so it's nice getting certain jobs abroad now that I've known over the years. But yeah, no, I'm just up for anything. And uh, I've got my fingers in a couple of things that might escalate. It might not. I don't know. I, I'm hoping something's gonna gonna come pretty big soon, which I'm in talks with. And I don't want to sort of know people say, oh, I'm doing this. But there is something that might come along. Again, it's. But we don't know yet. So, but but no, no, it's it's exciting the way the job's going. Everyone says one is boom, and we're going up. We are, and something is happening. And uh, 
I just I wanted to keep going or I don't want it to stop if you know what I mean why just yeah. keep going because the better you lads are doing I've seen them doing a bit better as well so uh, so yeah just, just bring it on that's yeah, good uh, how are you like to wrap these up is it if you were to uh, give your former self any advice or anyone advice coming into the business now so that could be very different because you came in a very different time so maybe you want to give your former self some advice and you want to give advice for anyone who's coming into the business now what would the advice be um, Messed up a bit here because I remember you asked this, but I've not even thought about it. I completely forgot. <laughs> I, I just think to enjoy yourself. I know when I started a job, I really enjoyed myself. You know, I really, really enjoyed myself. So don't forget to enjoy the job. You know, I know there's a lot more stress now because everyone's got this big goal. I, this, this for me, I didn't have a big goal. I just wanted to be in the job. So I never had that goal, and I still haven't really now. But everyone seems to come in a job with one goal, and it's not a bad thing because you need that goal. But not everyone's going to get there. So if you don't get there, there is still a living to be made. But so just enjoy it. Don't don't give give everything to it and dream and dream big. But if it doesn't come, you, you can still enjoy it. You know you you you've got to enjoy this job. It's a it's a hard job to do if you're not enjoying it. Uh, I suppose that's that's my biggest advice. I I've loved this job because I've enjoyed it and it, it does make the job a lot easier and a lot bearable. If you don't enjoy the job, then you you need to get out. Sort of thing. You've got to have a love for it. Yeah, I, I remember somebody saying once to me that uh, I think it might have been. Daniel Bryan, each other said that if you got into money for if you go into wrestling for money, ruined the court already. If you got into wrestling for money, you got into it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. There is money to be made, of course, but it's an art form, and art really doesn't have that much money, really. But and I've seen people that, that got into it went straight to a big feet. They got a contract, remember? It just wasn't fair, <coughs> you know. I don't need to say names. I think you can probably guess some guy. And there's a someone quite close to us that had a, a big chance and I don't think he really wanted it I think now he, he'd want it I think if he could change it I think he'd ever go now but at the time I don't think he really wanted it so he was ready for it personally no, he wasn't. And, yeah. uh, wasn't and potentially I think there was real potential there but if you don't really want something it's, uh, it's hard to work for isn't it you've got to really want it So, and I'm still hungry for the job I'm uh, yeah I'm still really hungry and, I, and I'm, yeah, I'm hoping bigger bigger things still happen so I'm 39 now so I'm not past it by any means I'm not I'm not 15 anymore but as much as I can't do what I did when I was 21 I've learned to adapt, so I don't need to do what I did when I was. Look, you've lost weight as well. I was going to say uh, that. Yeah, I've lost a little bit. I've got, got new gear as well. Oh, I, I did see. I did see. Four, four new singlets. Uh, just in talks with a, a, a jacket maker at the moment. Oh, yeah, oh really? So, yeah, I'm trying to invest a little bit, but uh, but yeah, so I can't do what I used to, but I can adapt it, and I can. Uh, I think what books I told me said the first ten years in the job, yeah, you want to do everything. You just want to do it. You want to do it. You want to do it. The next ten years, you realise that you don't have to do it, but you still can do it. But then in the final ten years of your job, you've just spent ten years of not having to do it. So then you don't do it, and but you've you've always maintained that the level of uh, professionalism and, and work weight, but you just adapted to it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. hundred percent was, but as you said, I was like, oh yeah, that's, that, that makes yeah. that makes a lot of sense. So I think I'm at a stage now where I can still do it to, to an extent, but I know I don't have to unless I have to, and then that tells me I still got another another big chunk of the job. Another, t- another ten, twenty years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where can they find you on the internet? Because you did say you're, you're big on you're yeah, big on the me, on the trip. Yeah, you're cool. Let me get cool. 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 I put them on the spot. He's having to get his go. get his phone out and have to do it. I've got, even got the Twitter app on my phone. It's so easy, isn't it? Yeah, well, I'll say this. You know what? I recently deleted my Instagram and my Twitter off my phone, oh. um, just because I just felt like I was getting sucked into too much, James. I I felt like instead of me enjoying 
the company of my my girlfriend or the company of my mates. I was swiping on my phone, so yeah. I I I, I install it down again, and I, if I know I have to post stuff, or I've got a match yeah. coming up before I have to. But then I thought have you have to be on that all the time. I thought you. No, I, I, I was up until about I think I did, I did about th- went all day with the girlfriend and, and I deleted it, and then I had that week where I didn't didn't go on it at all, and I went I quite like that. Yeah. yeah. So now I I reinstall it, and post if I need to post maybe like. Okay. Uh, midweek I'll, I'll do it and then maybe near the weekend I'll do it if I need to publicise stuff oh. but I don't think people are missing me on there so maybe uh, maybe less is maybe less is yeah, more maybe, maybe like for me I, I don't need it in years, but, but I, I look at it all the time I very rarely post but I do enjoy looking at it as a pastime it's a, yeah. it's a great pastime I'm getting like, information on the job yeah that's great yeah of course and if you're running the odd show it's uh, I think it's vital anyway that wasn't a question was it yeah. it's uh, at UK James Mason I can't believe I had to remember that, yeah. At UK James Mason. That's quite a simple one, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah, but it's... There is a Facebook page as well, but I don't deal with that. And There is stuff on there, but that's just, I guess, James Mason wrestler, I think. Yeah. But I don't make a big thing of that. But yeah, the Twitter thing, I'm trying to build up a bit. And uh, yeah, if you want to book anyone or get in touch on there, there's a... Feel free, I'm uh, any, very available. Any emails for anyone wants to book you for any upcoming shows? Uh, oh yeah, with jamesxmason at yahoo.com. But mate, it's been absolutely okay? yeah, it's all good. It's been an absolute pleasure to sit down and uh, chat, and um, I look forward to because I I we were chatting right. I know there's places that you said you got your few fingers in pies and stuff like that. Yeah. We'll chat about it when I turn this off. But I know there's places that have contacted you and you are going to go do stuff. And I hope in like a year's time or whatever we can sit down and have another chat and talk about yeah. this uh, this next chapter in your uh, your career. Fingers crossed we can. But uh, And again, to yourself, good luck for everything you're doing at the moment. I mean, uh, oh, appreciate that. You, you've got your fingers in stuff and you're, you, your team doing very well at the moment. And obviously this podcast thing is, is going well. And, and I think other people have jumped on the podcast because you're doing well, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I only jumped on it because Cabana was yeah, doing well. Not, but you know, not? Why not? And he's he's on the ball to change stuff, isn't he? So he knows where to, yeah, exactly. where to go to keep it uh, to keep it fresh. So, uh, so I know whatever you're doing is good because uh, I just know you as the little valley boy that uh, with yeah, with Bolt and Big Dog and all people, oh, I've got to give Big Dog a mention. He's, hey, we'll go for it. He's been he's been on the podcast, so yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah he's again a great lad again. But any of those Welsh boys tightened a lot of them. They're real pleasure to be around. And uh, but yeah, no. So whatever you're doing for yourself now, you're, you're doing very well. And it's nice to see Valley boys that are moving up. They they was with Alan long enough to learn the job to get what he did. But then they knew there was a time because as good as Welsh wrestling is, the lads there are only going to stay there. You know because. And they've got a good thing, they've got and jobs. And they're happy there, man. Yeah. Again, enjoy the job. As, as, as they get two jobs a week every week. They, they don't need to go elsewhere. Yeah. So, uh, but certain lads do have a bit of a bigger. And so it's nice that you did get out when you did. But again, with Alan, you can always go back at any time sort of thing. Of you know, it's a good thing with people like that. But no, absolute pleasure. Thank no you very much. Cheers, mate. How good was that? Like, as I said... Uh, such a wonderful episode, something I've been wanting to go on for a long, long time. Um, I learned so much about him that I didn't know. He's done everything there is to do. I, I love those stories about Japan and how they came about. Uh, the stories about him breaking the business and, and what he did and how hungry he was. A lot of people out there, a lot of new people uh, breaking the business could could really learn from works, from James's work ethic. And he's somebody who just wanted to be around wrestling so much that he just kept on, kept on, and, until other people took notice and took him under the wing, and and he's a, he's become a true. He, he won't admit it, but he's become a true icon and a true legend of this scene. And he's probably forgot more about wrestling than I will ever know. And I learn something new every time I chat to James or any time he shows me something new in the ring. And he's absolutely wonderful. So yeah, if you're looking, 
if you're looking for if you're looking for a true British pioneer to have on your show, he gave you his details at the end. But yeah, definitely shout out and uh, reach out to James Mason because he's one of a kind and he's absolutely incredible. Somebody book him and Pete Dunn for me again now. Somebody book it. I really, really want to see it now that uh, Pete's coming to his own. I really want to see that match, please. It'd be absolutely incredible. But yeah, big thanks to James for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure. And uh, I, I say this a lot to people, but I hope that I can revisit this in two or three years' time and uh, he can give me the next chapter of his career because, whoa, what a career it's been. But yeah, big thanks, James, for coming on the show. Of course, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please be sure to give myself, give us, give James a shout-out on the Twitter. I'm, of course, Flash underscore Morgan on the Twitter. I'm Facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster on the Facebook. I'm at Flash Morgan Webster on the Instagram. Or if you want to book me for any upcoming seminars, gigs, events, give me some tech advice, a little discreet email, tell me how you enjoy the podcast, maybe sponsor the podcast, all that can be done at flashmorgan at life.co.uk. As for James, he gave you his email at the end of the show. So uh, if you've missed it, wind it back a couple, what, wind back two minutes and uh, get the information there. Tweet him. He loves seeing that stuff. And uh, let him know how much you enjoyed the show because it was an absolute credible episode this week. But uh, yeah, big thanks to James again. I'll say it one more time. But uh, uh, yeah, a big thanks as well to our sponsors, pinsandknucklesmerch.com. As I said, if you're uh, bulk ordering 100 t-shirts, promo code FLASH, get yourself five free flags. That's £100 worth of merchandise, £20 each. Um, or uh, jump over to morganwebs.pickhotel.com and pick up some merch over there. Again, t-shirts, flags, prints, lots of stuff available over there. And anything helps keep this podcast absolutely free. So, yeah, I think that wraps up another episode. I'm literally sat here. I'm about to go uh, make some food and then watch NXT UK. Last week's episode, if you uh, haven't caught it, it's still available on the WWE Network. Uh, free month subscription as well if it's your first time on the network. Or just grab it for 9 99 Then you can just binge on as much as you possibly want to. But last week's episode was absolutely awesome. Uh, the main event with Noam Dar and Pete Down was incredible. Uh, you saw myself on there making the save with my best friend, Mark Andrews. And... Uh, Dave Mastiff was incredible in this. Sid was incredible. Tony, Nina, all fantastic. So, yeah, this week's episode is going to be even better. And uh, this week's episode does have 198 member, the Wild Boar, Mike Hitchman on it. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that as he takes on Legero. But uh, I think that does sum up another episode. I'm going to go make some food. I'm going to go watch NST UK. Give me a tweet. Give me whatever. And uh, I guess I'll speak to you guys next week. All's left to say is big thanks for listening to the show. I've been Flashbook Webster. It's always a pleasure, always a treasure. And bye. Thanks for stopping by. Have a good week, people. <laughs> <laughs>